Welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is the podcast where we chat a bit about our psychohuman brains, a little about our loony human behavior, and a lot about how it all fits together. If you know someone who you think might enjoy the show or who you think might benefit from hearing and learning about all this stuff, please feel free to share the podcast. And if you want to help support Bedletter in an additional way, I do have a Patreon page with some pretty sweet donation benefits as well. If something from the show today sparks a question or a comment and you feel like sharing, please head over to my Instagram page, at Ashleman. that's at C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N, and all the links for that can be found in the description for this episode. Also, if you're interested in obtaining a copy of Richard Nisbet's book, Thinking, a memoir, you can do so by clicking the link in the description as well, or by heading over to Amazon and searching his name. He's got several other fantastic books there to check out as well. I hope you enjoy the fourth and final part of our conversation today as we discuss Western versus Eastern thought and Richard's motivations for writing his book. Towards the end of your book, you talk a little bit about uh, Western and Eastern cultures. And so I find the distinction between these two cultures um, and their reasoning processes to be very interesting. I was wondering if you could detail, firstly, kind of what those main differences are. And second, what aspects of Western and Eastern life molded these reasoning processes? Sure. Okay. Um, Well, I'll start by saying I got onto this primarily by the fact that a long time ago, I lived in China for a while, giving lectures at uh, the university there. And there was, I read a lot about Eastern thought, Eastern philosophies, and so on. And I said, well, very interesting. I mean, there were some differences that I could pick up from reading. Uh, and I learned more about uh, differences in uh, ways that people reason while I was in China. But I missed the main thing, which uh, uh, the student was in that class, and years later, he came to work with me uh, as a graduate student. And after we had been working together for a while, he said, you know, Dick, you and I think very differently. I said, oh, how's that? He says, well, uh, you think in a kind of linear way, you, you think logically, you analyze things, you, uh, you focus in on, on one particular aspect of what you're thinking about. Is I think dialectically, that is, I hold several different ideas in my mind at the same time. I don't reject one of them. I let them both exist there. Um, <clears throat> I pay attention to a very wide range of things. I'm, uh, I, I pay attention to what's going on in many aspects of my environment. So I thought, well, you know, it's probably an exaggeration, but let's, that's researchable. That's, so I started doing research with him, and it was quite astonishing. But I'll just say, give an example of, of one of the findings that came out of this. The student's name, by the way, was Kaiping Peng. He's now uh, dean at uh, Tsinghua University. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, so with another student, uh, Kiriyama, I did a, a study where we showed people uh, an underwater scene. There's fish and plants and so on. Mm-hmm. Show, show them to them for 20 seconds and then ask them, what did you see? Uh, the American says, uh, 
Well, um, I saw three big fish swimming off to the left. They had white bellies with pink stipples on them and so on. The Japanese said, I saw what looked like a stream. Uh, the water was green. Uh, there were plants and rocks on the bottom. There were three big fish swimming off to the left. <clears throat> and the, 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 these are not small effects. They're enormous effects. You'll get 60% more information from these Japanese subjects about the environment, about the context than you get from Americans. And you may say, well, you know, they're, they're paying more attention to the context, so therefore they must be paying less attention to the central objects that the Americans are, 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 uh, are picking up on. And the answer is wrong. They, they're picking up just as much information about the central figures, the more the bigger, more colorful, flashier, faster moving stuff. Uh, and they will report twice as much information about relationships. Yeah, as there were shells uh, on, the, on some of the plants, uh, snails or something. Uh, and these, the, the perceptual stuff is reflected in reasoning in many ways. I mean, uh, we try to, the, the whole Western goal, when, when you're trying to reason about something in law or business, try to get rid of the context, get down to the heart of the matter and pay attention to that. That is very foreign to the way that um, Easterners think. They want to maintain the context. I mean, the law is written that you have to pay, you have to pay what kind of person is doing what kind of thing to what other kind of person in what kind of context. The Western law wants to get rid of that stuff. Now, both types of reasoning, both the analytic reasoning, focusing on some target uh, object, what are its attributes, what are the rules that apply to its behavior, that's of course tremendously useful in all kinds of situations. Uh, but uh, but you're, if you do that, you're going to often miss contextual things that are uh, where the real action is. That's what's really going on is that you're responding to this broad context of events. Um, and uh, what's interest, what interests me right now most is um, can you teach people the other way of thinking? And we already know the answer one way. I mean, Easterners have absolutely no problem picking up on the Western way of thinking. Uh, I'm certainly my graduate students can do the Western thing as well as I can. I'll never be able, I would never have been able to do the Eastern thing. That's just so far embedded in the nervous system, that kind of way, what you see, what you attend to, uh, and the, the, the breadth of your vision, the breadth of your concepts. Uh, that's, I, I don't know how much of a, of a difference you can make to a Westerner in moving toward that kind of way of thinking, but it would be, I mean, wonderful to find out. I mean, I mean, to get Easterners say, okay, you teach this Westerner uh, how you would handle this problem. You certainly, uh, 
you can get some of it. Now you ask, where does it come from? Ultimately, it comes from the soil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, ancient China was uh, set up in terms of its soil uh, conditions for large-scale agriculture, uh, wheat or rice. And Greece uh, was mountains descending to the sea. No question of large-scale agriculture there. It's just not going to happen. Uh, people have, you know, kitchen gardens, uh, uh, truck gardens, we call them today. Um, they do trading, uh, they do fishing, uh, and especially uh, keeping of sheep and goats. Um, these are relatively solitary activities. Uh, but in, in agriculture, especially in rice, rice agriculture, uh, you have to be constantly in communication with other people, cooperating with them, so these are very interdependent societies. I mean, human relations are just foundational. Nothing works if you don't handle the personal relations. Right. But whereas in the, in the West in general, and especially in a place like Greece, human relations are not as important. Of course, they're tremendously important, but they're not central. You can be effective as a shepherd without ever talking to another person. Uh, so, uh, so that everything follows from that the, the attention to context uh the characteristic of the east uh the focus on the on the object that you're trying to control um is uh, is central in the in the west so partly the ball gets rolling very differently in the east and in the west and to a degree those conditions are maintained by the economics which are based on on the soil conditions so that that's in a nutshell uh, the differences and why i think they exist yeah i think i this is one of the things i just love about psych is just how embedded uh it is into just everything like you know these differences in think thought process and everything are coming from you know, our survival mechanisms of needing to like eat and farm and, and, and just the circumstances and our environment in which we live, the fact that those are so closely tied in to how we simply like just reason through things is, I mean, it's just incredible to me. Uh, it's crazy. I do have, so I just have one more uh, big question to ask you. And uh, basically it is, what is your main what was your main motivation behind compiling the book was it was it mainly um educational to to kind of show people this different research and present it in a way that is like digestible for them or was it kind of more of you know memoir of per personal exploration kind of compiling it as almost like a a way to look at your own life's work per for personal exploration or what was your what was your main motivation behind compiling it well, the motive was exactly what you said first. I mean, um, you know, you, you do research and it's not necessarily going to get out there if you don't take some steps. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll write something in ordinary language that anybody can understand. And that'll, the ideas that seem important to me 
may get a, a wider distribution. Uh, but, <laughs> of course, the process of doing that did have some of the effect of the second kind of uh, motivation you're talking about. That I, I sort of, I mean, I was struck by how there are some threads in my work through so many things. I and mean, it's just a limited number of threads and, uh, and which get uh, played out in uh, lots of different psychological uh, arenas. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that the, uh, there was another motive too. Uh, I wanted to see if I could do something that would qualify in some sense as literature. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that is something that people would read for pleasure. And um, I gather I succeeded with you and, and in that respect and, and with other people too, some people. I mean, a, a lot of people have told me they really got a kick out of reading the book. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I love that aspect of it. So. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, it's a fantastic compilation of all of this different research. And I think a lot of times with, with I mean, just with everything, it's hard to... Um, it's hard to find a place where everything is linked together so nicely and, and as in a book, right? And you've, you've taken all these different research topics and stuff that, um, you know, all having to do with reasoning, but the, the regular lay person or average person or even, even, you know, a step above that or whatever intellectually probably wouldn't have, um, if I had to guess, probably wouldn't have like found each of these different research articles and, and, you know, followed them through these different threads if they weren't presented with this like history of, of psych. And if it wasn't presented, you know, it was, and I mean, it was presented in a way that was to me at least very digestible um, yeah. and had me chuckling at a couple points. And also, like I said, I was highlighting things left and right. And so um, I, I definitely think that you have achieved the, the literary goal. Uh, at least for me, and and I thank you. I think for a lot of people out there, I think that you explain things very, in a very distinct way. And um, I don't know. It's it's, it's it was a great read. I, I really loved it. Um, I do have one funny hypothesis for you, as to why <laughs> as to why more what was it Mormon siblings don't lose two to three IQ points for each subsequent sibling. Is that isn't that what it, the right. finding you right. had? So I was, I was born and raised in Utah. So, you know, obviously there's, that's, that's all over around here, but <laughs> I have a guess. I mean, this is totally <laughs> a guess and it's probably not even true, but I, I'd say as the average set of parents produce more and more children, their life gets more and more stressful, leading them to, <laughs> leading them to drink more and more. And that results <laughs> in the IQ difference because Mormons don't drink. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea At why. At least that's a hypothesis. <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's up from zero. <laughs> exactly. I had no prior explanation. Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah, it's funny. I was trying to think, well, what's what's the one thing that they don't do that a lot of people do? a lot of other people do and that was the one that I that came to my head. But who knows? Who knows why that's the case at the end of the day. Right. right. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's all the time we have for today, but I do want to give a huge, huge thank you to you, Richard, for joining me on the show today, for talking about this awesome book, and most importantly, for your awesome and incredible contributions to the field of psychology. Um, where is it that people can connect with you and your work these days? Uh, well, 
you know, I'm I'm about to get uh, I don't know if you call it a blog. Psychology Today uh, has a uh, they have a, a number of, of uh, outlets, different investigators, different researchers uh, have you know post things from time to time, and that's going to be up uh, in a while. But in the meantime, people can just send me emails. I mean, it's mm-hmm. bit at umich or University of Michigan dot edu. So I'm I'm I enjoy you know uh, talks contacts with uh, people who are interested in this kind of work. Absolutely. Um, for sure. So so there we go. Be sure to get yourself a copy of Richard's new book, Thinking. It's only 10 bucks on Amazon and it will quite literally change your mind and your life. So thank you, Richard, so much. It really has been a pleasure getting to talk to you. I enjoyed it too. Ladies and gents, that is all the time we have for today. But if you have enjoyed listening to this episode of Bed Letter, please be sure to follow on whatever platform you prefer to get your podcasts on. And if you're interested in supporting the show in an additional way, I do have a Patreon page with some useful donation benefits, including tutoring, mentoring, special recognition for you, and more. So if uh, anything from today's episode sparked a thought, please feel free to share that with me on my Instagram page, at Ashleman. And if you're interested in getting a hold of a copy of Richard Nisbet's book, Thinking a Memoir, you can head to the link in my description over to Amazon and pick it up there. Fantastic read. I would highly, highly recommend it. Really helps you kind of get straight about uh, reasoning and how, how the process works. So highly recommend that. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. I really appreciate you for joining me on today's episode. I hope you have an awesome week, and I will see you next time on Bed Letter. Bye.